The scary thing is that if we don't become the strategic consultant, we are going to find that possibly a third, maybe a half of our industry could be wiped out very easily through automation. Sarah Hall is the 2018 president of the Chartered Institute of Public Relations. She's under no illusion whatsoever about the threat that artificial intelligence holds for the PR industry. You look at the links that I've been sent, I look at the books that they've sent in terms of what the threats to the industry are, and I, I literally took a really deep breath. It can't all be bad news, though. Can it? I really believe we're sleepwalking into this. If you want to know more, stick around. This is Digital Download, a podcast that explores the latest thinking in digital communications, PR and social media. Here's your host, Paul Sutton. Well, thank you very much for um, joining me today, Sarah. I really appreciate that. Um, it, it's great to have you on, actually, because um, you're someone I know who's not shy to give an opinion, who's very vocal, and you've been vocal about you know, mental health and diversity and gender issues and all sorts of things in the past, which I think is fantastic. And so for the CIPR to have some good, strong leadership over the next year, I think is a great thing. So, I, you know, I totally respect you for that. Thanks, Paul. And first off, thanks very much for inviting me on. I've always appreciated your support. And uh, I'm an avid reader of your blog, and I, I do watch your vlogs as well. So uh, it's really good to chat to you about things. And obviously, we've talked about a lot of the issues we're hopefully going to cover today in, in different guises. So uh, lovely to try and bring them to life in relation to my role as president of the CIPR in 2018. Yeah, lovely. Okay, quick question before we get, kick off. Yeah. Do I have to call you Mrs. President or Mom or anything? <laughs> Please don't. Really just call me Sarah. I'm never going to be into all of that stuff. It's just, it's just not me. That cap doesn't fit. <laughs> well, let's kick off then. I, I was interested to start with to get your views on the way the CIPR has been kind of developing over the past couple of years, because you're taking charge in the 70th anniversary year, which is fantastic for you. Um, what's your view on the way things have been going the last sort of two or three years? Yeah, I'm really lucky because obviously 2018 is a really special anniversary. So we have some wonderful celebrations planned. But actually, I think we're coming to a bit of a milestone for the industry and the Institute anyway. Um how it's gone over the last few years, I think we've started to see a step change. And um, since um, I, I think most people would have seen a, a real change when Stephen Waddington in 2014 was president, because he started to talk about professionalisation and what that meant and the correlation between CPD and your, your value to an organisation and, and, and then what you could actually earn. And that kind of started to change people's perceptions of what they were doing and PR. And it started to make the CIPR more relevant. What was great from that is I think we and uh, everybody at board and council level saw the value within that, saw the value of being much more transparent because he's a, a machine in terms of external communication. And um, I'm glad to see that that continued under um, Rob Brown's leadership. And then obviously Jason McKenzie over the past year has also certainly really pushed that button in terms of um, the drive to professionalism and, and worked really hard to increase the membership and to, to stop member churn. And he's been successful in that. So I think we've been really heading in the right direction. Yeah, okay. I mean, my view externally is that things have been, or they've seemed to be a lot quieter since since the end of Stephen's reign as president. Uh, do you think that is just a reflect, purely a reflection, though, on, as you say, the fact that 
what tends to turn out a lot of content. <laughs> He's a robot. I think there's a, there's a few things. I think you've touched in the past uh, about confidence, confidence within the industry and actually whether our industry bodies do communicate well enough. I think it's, it's a difficult one because CIPR does actually do an awful lot, but you have to you know, be a member to see what it's doing you know, to get the member engagement in terms of newsletters, to, to get invited to the events and things. I think in terms of content and that being uh, generated and shared, it does depend on the person who is leading the organisation. So you're a volunteer and anybody who, who steps into this role, I mean, I'm doing about a day a week of voluntary time for CIPR and I'm president-elect at the moment. Yep. You know, it's a huge, huge time commitment. So you've got to be passionate about it and you've got to want it. But there are also limitations to what you can do and it depends on what you're comfortable with. So we've had presidents who have actually made their difference, like Sarah Pinch is really good at going around the regions and, and seeing people and being there and being active in their localities, which is very, very important. But uh, and, and similarly, Jason's tried to do that, but not everybody will be able to do the level of content that others will. I'm going to try and approach it from two different angles. Uh, I like to generate content. I find it a good way of developing my own, uh, it's my CPD, so I kind of go back and learn from that and, and also just rethink what I've learned um, from any presentation I've given or event I've been to. So I hope to follow in kind of Stephen's footsteps, but equally with board and council's approval, because they've just looked at the 2018 plan and agreed that we're going to try as an institute to be much more dynamic in terms of external comms. So that means being much more bullish with the media. Um, we're doing a media card at the moment um, to position us as we want to be seen rather than, you know, we're a little bit, sometimes I think personally, we're a bit too reactive uh, or we don't comment on things that we should so I want to change that and I think that's going to be really really important in terms of a step change for us but I'm actually going to challenge everybody as well because you know we can't just expect our industry bodies to do the work for us we as PR practitioners need to do that too so while CIPR will do the media piece and we're now going to do campaigns aimed at both um, CEOs and FDs and HR people to talk about the value of PR to organizations and why you should hire ideally a chartered CIPR member we we can do that too we're PR people why aren't we talking to our own media about why you should hire us and the value that we bring so this is a role for everybody yeah interesting you touched on something there you mentioned the word confidence um now I wrote a post just recently talking about whether PR the industry as a whole has a kind of a self-respect issue and this isn't this isn't news I mean it's been around a long time I've written about this several times before I mean, is it within your reign to try and encourage people or the industry as a whole to stop kind of apologising for for who we are and the fact of what we do? Yeah, I actually think um, we're making strides in this area already. And I, I like to think I've helped a little bit uh, without sounding um, big-headed through Future Proof. Now, Future Proof is something that I um, founded and I continue to edit and, and community manage. But actually, this is a really big crowdsource initiative and we're busy working on edition three uh, of the books and that for me was always a, a project of passion but also really important because I felt that PR didn't really have anybody acting as a cheerleader for it so I wanted to reassert its value and just you know really showcase best practice and part of that was this whole message that is now going to be my key theme for 2018 at CIPR which is PR as a management discipline and what that means and actually when, when it comes to confidence I think we're very we are a bit reticent to challenging briefs challenging clients challenging deadlines because um we don't really 
intrinsically see the value of what we do, but that changes. So if you talk about PR as a management discipline, and this is part of a talk I gave at PR Fest last year, actually, it makes you think about the skill set that you need. And if you look at the Global Alliance's competency framework, it's really interesting. So from entry level right through to senior, you should be always developing your business and finance and com uh, management competencies. And that, I don't think that has necessarily happened in the past. We tend to focus very much on the tactical element of our roles, yeah. which means we're very much in a, in a supplier position then which does make it difficult to challenge because you're not having the kind of decisions with management teams that you might do otherwise so it follows that if you start to talk about PR as a management discipline you kind of go oh, okay um so what do what kind of skills do I need I need to develop strategic ethical um leadership skills you change the kind of training and the development that you do and then all of a sudden you start to have different conversations with people because you approach things in a different way so I can say wholeheartedly that this works. So about three, four years ago, we were probably still very much kind of ad hoc PR supplier. So we'd come in either to support another agency as, oh, we need this a bit of PR, let's get you know, the team in. Or we sure. would be just delivering to um, a marketing function within an organization. And it would still be very much a media relations, social media role. Um, and I completely changed that. So I started to talk about PR and the, the additional value we could bring and how what that might look like. And all of a sudden the team starts teams start to listen to me differently you should buy consultancy a different type of consultancy from us it was actually very much that kind of strategic leadership and, and, the, and, the, and the strategic planning and thinking rather than just the doing and that's the difference and that's when you're in that position and you're having those conversations in a different kind of way that's when you can say no I'm not able to do that I don't think that's the right thing for your organization or is that deadline realistic or do you really want to do that now so Christmas as you've said yourself, you know, through your blog post, that kind of year where everybody wants everything off their desks and done. And what they'll do is they'll shove it right across to the agency or to the PR team to deliver an unrealistic deadline. Now, from my experience, you come back in January and they're saying, actually, do you know what? We rushed that out. We're not sure we want to do it. So you end up doing it again. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, this is where we need to, we totally need to just push back and say, do you know what? And if they say, yes, yes, we absolutely have to have it. If you can deliver it, fine. But I, I do think just we just need to be a bit stronger about it but you get more respect and actually ultimately I find that you get more work if that's if that's what you do I, I totally agree I think as a profession we don't push back enough I'd like to see more of it but that all comes from kind of the self-respect and, and the lack of imposter syndrome I guess but let's hope that that comes I think it's just in terms of the role that you have and the confidence that you have from knowing that you have, you know, you've got the experience, you've got the training and you have the authority and, and the moral authority as well, because you can say genuinely, hand on heart, I don't think this is right for your organisation. Yeah. They yeah. might not choose to go with your advice, but they will listen to you and they respect you for actually doing that. Don't just be the people who just, you know, follow the dots because that's what you're told to do challenge it and say actually how does this fit with the organizational objectives why are we doing this that why word is incredibly important and it's it's the way that you will make in inroads if, if you're not there already to talk to the management team yeah absolutely how do you think the roles of pr people are changing at the moment over the last sort of six months and into the next year especially with regard to i suppose some of the tech that's coming through like ai and chatbots and voice recognition and there's all of this stuff sort of teetering at the moment I mean my view is that things have got to change over the next year but what, what what do you think I don't think we'll see much change actually in terms of roles over the next year I'd like to see more of the approaching PR as a management discipline 
uh, thing and that's seeping through and us getting real penetration there so the take up of business and management consultancy training goes through the roof and then we see you know people applying to do their chartership because that's really where we're going to make a difference and our status within the business community will will hopefully improve ai is an interesting topic now i really believe we're sleepwalking into this and yeah. i don't know a huge amount much about it and i think i probably know more or a representative of the wider industry. And thankfully, through the CIPR, we're establishing there's a small uh, forum who are going to look at this next year in depth and you know, look at a few outcomes. The scary thing about AI is that if we don't become these strategic consultants, we are going to find that possibly a third, maybe a half of our industry could be wiped out very easily through automation. And that is not an overreaction or blowing things out of proportion. If you look at what's been automated already, look at what can be done, look at what the newsrooms are doing, um, there is a really, really strong issue on the horizon. And we've got to get savvy with that and work out how we can best use it to advantage so it adds value to what we're doing, but also, you know, how we, what do we do uh, in, in the face of this threat? Yeah, I mean, that that's, that's a big statement, half the industry wiped out, but I... I... Well... Genuinely, we've got to be bullish about this and say this is actually a bigger threat. And, and, and genuinely, I don't like I say I only have just looked, started to read around this because of the the forum. The, the, like I say, we're establishing this forum and they're, they're beginning to put some ideas together. But you look at the links that I've been sent. I look at the books that they've sent in terms of what the threats to the industry are. And I I literally took a really deep breath and goosebumps, and I was a bit like, oh, you know. And I, I'm, I don't think I'm underestimating the scale of the problem when you think about. The majority of people, or maybe not the majority, but we have a whole swathe of practitioners who work pretty tactically. They, you know, they're, they're doing the you know really good, hard, high quality work day in day out, but it's work that a machine could replace them, and which is why actually the people bit and the strategic thinking and the insight is so so important. Absolutely. I mean, I, I addressed um, AI kind of briefly at a conference I ran back in April to try and scare people a bit. And I put up this this test, uh, a bit of sports commentary that had been written by a person and another bit of sports commentary that had been written by a robot. And throughout the room of sort of 60 odd people, it was pretty much 50-50 who could tell which was written by which. And that in itself was scary. And that's you know, that's nine, ten months ago now, and things move quickly. So, you know, it is going to happen. Yeah, and if you think about it, in terms of teams, you'll have people who community manage, that can very easily be automated. You have people who are content managers, that can very easily be automated. All the writing element of it, and this is just tiny little bits that we've started to look at and haven't looked at the impact more widely. You know, you look at things like Alexa and the, the amount of information you can get through that I mean, yeah. and, and the way that it's invading both our personal and corporate spaces. We really need to get our heads around. I, I haven't yet. I'm hoping the CRPR panel will very much make strides in this area and help educate the wider membership in terms of helping us understand the complexity of the issue and then take steps to, to create an opportunity from it. But like I say, um, we just, maybe I've overestimated this scale the problem in terms of how it will impact the industry but have a read round I'll be interested in other people's thoughts yeah no I, I'm in agreement with you I really am and I think the CIPR initiative around that is is really positive it's something that is badly needed because I agree with you that we're kind of sleepwalking into it and if we don't do something about it we'd be in trouble so linked to that when it comes to the levels of skill of people in the industry and professional development and perhaps competence as well what are your thoughts on how that can develop what what plans have you got for that 
So there's been a great piece of work that's been led by one of the committees at CIPR and uh, Lindsay Columbo under Jason's leadership, which has been looking at how we can align the training and calls at CIPR with the Global Alliance's competency framework. And I do think that's really important because, like I said before, it doesn't just look at the tactical skills and the strategic skills. It looks at the other business management skills that you need to have. So I'm keen to see that continue and to make sure that our training and, and calls offer is relevant to that. I'm keen to make sure that we try and um, are more relevant as well to the wider PR industry and that those who have more digital roles. So we're going to be looking at that. An interesting way um, on the other side of things in terms of if we're looking at skill sets, take PR practitioners outside of that. One of the things that I would really love to see the CIPR do is actually to influence the curriculum at all the key business courses you know where all the CEOs and FTs go because at the moment I think what is on the courses about PR is actually quite limited and not necessarily massively accurate so I would love to see that amended and to see how we can influence the curriculum there so I think that's a really other important piece of work that we're doing but in in terms of skill set I actually do think you know training I've got to say um I did a, a conference talk for PR Moment a couple of weeks back and um, you know I was given some stats um, from Sukjit Gruel who, who runs the training call side and it's very clear that demand for training is continuing and in fact increasing so we're doing something right there and like I say I just want to push these business management competencies because I said we need to start to occupy that higher ground. Yeah it's interesting you say about the demand for training because that's perhaps something that I have noticed personally over the last 12 months is that especially in the freelance sector, actually, there there appears to be a real thirst for people starting to want to really upskill and get make sure they are working to, to best practice when it comes to things like social and digital media. And that's something that perhaps I haven't seen up until the last 12 months. Obviously, you've got a great uh, new offer in terms of training. And I think the difference is there is I think there's always been a thirst there I think it's about how agile you are in delivering the training and you do that really well in terms of you recognize that people have limited time they want it in bite-sized chunks they might want training on the move and I think that's where we need to be headed you know I did the Google Squared course when it was the year after it first launched you know I was in one of the very first cohorts and they got it right then in terms of very much about size you did I think I did one evening where you had to log into and there was like a general webinar uh, for an hour and then there was plenty of coursework outside but they would link you to they would basically create curate content and links for you so you went off and you consume that at your leisure so when I was out for a run with a dog I'd be you know listening to a podcast or whatever it might be and I think understanding the needs of of people today you know we've got very busy jobs you know you, you mentioned mental health at the opening of the podcast you know we work so hard we're always on call it's 24 7 job you have to be mindful of this when you're trying to ask people to to do their cpd and and think about what will work best for them and how you deliver it that way yeah absolutely again i totally agree with that when it comes to the freelance sector what does the cipr specifically offer for the freelance sector and i say that as not only as a freelancer myself a lot of the people i have Uh, been in training with over the last year have not been convinced of the value of the CIPR to them? Right okay that's interesting so when I set up my own business I, I launched it as a limited company but for the first few years I was the only member of staff 
Uh, and I found the CIPR membership massively value because that gave me a network. I used its uh, legal helpline several times while I was getting set up and when I had an issue with a client. Uh, and, you know, that's free of charge, you know, in terms of if I'd gone to an, uh, an employment lawyer, I'd have been paying God knows how many hundreds of pounds for the consultation and then the ensuing advice. And this was this is the cost of a phone call. So I think that's quite interesting. And I think if if you are a sole practitioner, the beauty of the CIPR is that it does have active committees in your locality. So you can very quickly get out and about and also pick up work that way. So I'm kind of I'm kind of intrigued by that. And I, I think even services and products like the new Influence magazine, it's not so new now, but I think that's a massively valuable resource. And there was a massive outcry when we stopped the PR week subscription, but I think people will now see the value of what we've got in terms of the content and thought leadership. So for me, from my personal experience, I found I've always found the CIPR valuable from that. And actually as I've grown the agency, you know, so I've got a virtual agency with a course team of 10 now and we scale as necessary I, I I still find that valuable but I do appreciate that people look very closely at the subs that they pay and what they get out of it but my other view would be you get more out of it the more you put in so you know and also if there's something that doesn't suit or you don't think something's right or you like to see something ask the question the team at uh, Russell Square are really you know they punch well above their weight in terms of the size of the teams and they're always open to suggestions and it might well be that that thing is in place you just weren't aware of it and that's what I discover quite a lot and that's the thing that I want to do in terms of rationalizing what we've got in terms of products and service and information and perhaps communicating that a little bit better and you know, I know that the team are already looking at the website to order that um, to make that a little bit easier to search. Yeah, maybe maybe it's it's, uh, it's a function of when when I said earlier about have, my perception was things have been sort of quieter from external perspective over the last couple of years. Maybe it's just a a function of that, but that's good to hear anyway. Okay, so when it comes to the wider understanding of issues around the industry, all the things that affect PR, especially from a digital perspective, but not solely, because there's so much going on at the moment that's affecting the industry. How does your role fit in with managing that and making sure that people working within the industry are, you know, fully up to date with things? I think what's really good is that my future proof background is incredibly useful here and I think I was very fortunate that I'd done those those first two books certainly and, and grown the community before I decided to stand as, as CIPR president because that gave me a really strong view of where we've come from in terms of an industry and where we're going and uh, in terms of uh, the issues affecting PI to, I prefer there are things, and we've talked about a few things here in terms of like AI and, and uh, the march of professionalism and what all this means but actually the issues affecting us are what I would I wouldn't use the word issues. I would say what are the opportunities. So people talk about the blurring of disciplines and how you know other other disciplines might eat our lunch. And they talk about we've got to be worried about management consultancies. This is where I say absolutely no, and I kind of punch the table a little bit and say, hang on a minute, this is this is our opportunity. We've just got to be more bullish, and we've got to have that strategic skill set that we've talked about and then we've got to start talking to management teams in in the right way about what we do and so you know you look at Brexit and organizations certainly for us this has been a big opportunity organizations no one's got a clue what's going to happen but they want to know how we can help so that's a great conversation Hi, what are you? What are your plans for post Brexit? Have you? What, what's your risk assessments like? Have you been lobbying your industry bodies about what you'd like to see from them, uh, both now during the process and post Brexit? Now, these are all kind of conversations that we naturally lead or should be naturally leading and it puts us in the driving seat in terms of any uh, strategic planning. Strategic planning that's done. 
and we can align that with the organizational objectives. And again, it changes the way that business and employers approach us because they suddenly go, hang on a minute, this, this makes sense. They can help us navigate a very tricky time. And it means also that we go back to that whole core purpose of product relations, which is to help find organizational purpose, agree and test company principles, keep the public there to serve front of mind. And, and that's what we should do. And I think I, I love Professor Anne Gregory's work and I quote her all the time. And, and she talks about brand legitimacy. And it's really important because in times of change and turmoil and austerity, which is where we are now, and we're going to be for the foreseeable future, you know, we have to be mindful of, of what our, our, our organisational role in society is. And she has a great quote, which says, organisations are being forced to rethink their purpose and how they gain and maintain legitimacy, not only with their immediate stakeholders, but to society more widely. And she couldn't be more right, but that's our job. For me, there's a massive opportunity. It's just whether we upskill or use the skills that we've got and say, right, management teams, have you thought about this? Let us help you. This is the skill set we've got. This is the research and insight and planning that we can provide. Let's work out where we're going forward and how it works with the organisational objectives so we get the, the greatest results. Yeah, it was just a great place to finish, actually. That's that's really good. OK, well, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, oh, nice where can people find you um, online when they want to when they want to talk to you? So I'm pretty active on Twitter. So that's at Hallmeister. Or um, you can always get me via email, which is sarah at sarahhallconsulting.co.uk. But uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. Very easy to find on there. Fantastic. Okay. well, good luck with the upcoming task you have over the next year or so. I'm sure it'll be a success. I've got every confidence that you're going to deliver on what you say. (laughs) So, um, yeah, best of luck with it. Thanks, Paul. It's been lovely to speak to you. Appreciated the opportunity. If you've enjoyed today's show, you can subscribe to Digital Download on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. I'd love to hear your thoughts. On Twitter, I'm at the Paul Sutton, or you can email me at paul at paulsutton.co. There's more information on Digital Download membership and on upcoming events at digitaldownload.training. Thanks for listening.